This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Great to see all of you tonight. How you liking this weather? Come on now. So, you know, it's not 106 or something, you know, with 80% humidity. Got to get excited about that. No, it's been pretty nice. Hallelujah. We'll take a bunch of it. We just need some rain. Yes, amen. A little rain would do a lot of good. Hallelujah. Good to see you tonight. I tell you what, I'm just blessed, you know. Is that all right with you? Because yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be that way anyway, whether you like it or not. I just uh, was thinking about um, the, um, this past week. And excuse me for just a minute here while I figure this out. Um, I was just thinking about um, how wonderful our Heavenly Father is. And how gracious he is to all of us. And every person's situation is different, of course. But, uh, you know, this past weekend, we had the privilege of being able to uh, participate in a celebration of life with uh, Johnny Richardson being 94 years young. But, you know, the, <clears throat> the thing that blesses me the most about that is, is that, um, you know, he really didn't have much to do with church. Well, I shouldn't say it that way. I think that they did attend but uh, it wasn't until about 1988 and 89, somewhere in there, that uh, Isla had been coming, I think, for a year, his wife. And then one morning, uh, because of just going through some tough times, he decided to come to church. And that man walked the aisle, and that would have been over in the youth room that's now the youth sanctuary. He walked that aisle and gave his heart to Jesus. Now, the cool thing about that is, is we had the privilege of, he had cancer when he was... Uh, 45, they were building a home, and the doctors told him that that guy probably wouldn't live more than a year. Well, uh, he, he, he surpassed that by a significant amount. But you know, I gotta believe that a big part of that is because of what he learned, you know, from the scriptures, from the Bible, about the plan and the purpose and the promises of God. And so here he lives to be 94, hallelujah, and goes home to be with Jesus. And not only that, I, I think about, mo many of you probably know this, but um, in the early part of his life, he and I lost a child, their son, a uh, farming accident, and the child was only six years old, only boy that they had. And I can only imagine what that reunion must have been like. You know, the Bible speaks of joy unspeakable. In other words, there's no words to describe it. And I got to believe that it was just that. What a reunion, a homecoming, whatever you want to call it. Now, the other thing I want to talk to you about, or another thing just to rejoice in, about a year ago, there was a young couple, uh, Casey Haven and uh, Jake McIntosh came to our church. And they'd been together for some years and things, you know, but their life just, you know, was like a lot of our lives, just kind of dysfunctional and dismembered. Well, they got saved, turned on the Word of God. And this past Saturday afternoon, we married that couple. And I tell you what, praise God, it is an amazing thing what God has done in their life and the hunger that they have for more of God. They want to grow. They, want, they know that God's got a plan for them. I got to tell you guys, it don't get no better than that. Are you listening to me? And you know, that's, I mean, the best is yet to come. 
So we can rejoice in what God's doing in our lives. Many of you, all of you have stories, you know, and where, you know, maybe uh, something horrific or things of that nature may have happened in your life unexpectedly and so on and so forth. But I'm telling you, God is able to give people beauty for ashes. I said, he sure is. If we trust him, just like we, you know, sang tonight, if we'll trust him, praise God, he'll do just that. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. That's why we can rest you know, in Him, and know, praise God, that He's got our back. It's good. It's really good. And that's especially important these days in which we're living. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, well, let's uh, open our Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 12, one more time. We're going to take a look at changing the way we think a little bit. We've been doing this now, I think, for the last three uh, weeks that I've had the privilege of standing in the pulpit here anyway, and uh, you know, God's Word, it's like uh, the late Fred, uh, Fred Price, Pastor Price said that the Word of God is pregnant, and it's always giving birth to new facets of revelation and reality. And so as we expose ourselves to the Word of God, He'll bring things to our remembrance. He'll show us things that, you know, maybe uh, we'd not seen up to this point, because Jesus said, you know, uh, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So anyway, we're going to look into the Word again this evening, and uh, uh, some of the things, most of the stuff probably that I have to share with you tonight, and anything you haven't heard already, but it'll be good anyway. We'll give you a good meal. Hallelujah. Just think you're going to the best steakhouse in the, in the whole planet right now, right here, and you're going to get the best. Praise God. And it's free. Amen. You know? I mean, you don't mind paying, do you? You know, if it's good. But man, when it ain't good, you got to pay. That's a bummer. Are you listening to me? No, boy, you know. Yeah, that's not good. You know, it's like, okay, we don't have to go back there for about the next 25 or 30 years. Okay. Well, anyway, that's beside the point. Let's pray together. We'll get into the Word. Father, we love you tonight again. We just thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives and the privileges that we have, Father God, to represent you and your kingdom in the earth today. Thank you, Father, for making us strong in you and in the power of your might. I thank you for giving us boldness and courage to, to, glare, to declare those things that you have made known to us, the truth, Father God, that has set us free. And so I just thank you as we have these few moments together this evening that, again, we'll build upon the foundation that's already been established in our hearts, and that, Father God, it will help to support and to build up and, Father God, to make strong each and every one of us. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Notice with me in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, the Apostle Paul said, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The way transformation takes place is by our, the renewal of our mind. And then it goes on then to say uh, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. How many of you know God wants you, wants you to know his will? Yes. Amen. You know, when I first got started in Christendom, when I got saved and turned on to the word, I had a little religion that I had to unlearn, huh? And, uh, you know, sometimes you get religiously brainwashed instead of New Testament taught. And, you know, when it came to the will of God, it seemed to be some kind of a mystery. But thank God we got 66 books here. And it seems to say the last will and testament, 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. So thank God you can know his will. Amen. And he wants you to know. And I'm so thankful for that. But you'll notice here in this scripture that we read, it says not to be conformed, but transformed. Don't be conformed to this world. You know, all the ideologies, and different things that are going on, all the narratives that are being pushed into the world today to try to get people to think certain ways, to believe certain things, so on and so forth. Well, thank God we've got his word so that we don't have to move, so that we can stand or stay with the truth. Hallelujah. God wants you to be established in the truth. No matter how many ways people try to explain whatever it is that they're wanting to think is true, if it doesn't line up with the Bible, then we don't want anything to do with it. Can you say amen? You know, and so it's important for us to understand that. But the word conform here, don't, don't be conformed. It means to fashion or to give shape to uh, uh, one thing like another. And we see this happening, you know, I mean, you see this whole massive shift of progressive kinds of thinking, you know, within the youth. They're being indoctrinated by lies of the devil. I'm telling you, all this stuff you hear, it is an absolute doctrine of the devil. And it's out to kill, steal, and destroy. It's going to ruin their lives, and they don't even know it. You know, now they may contest that and they may think differently about it, but it doesn't make any difference because the word is the word. The truth is the truth. And, you know, if you don't walk in the light of the word of God, then you're just in no man's land, quite literally. So it says not to be conformed, that meaning, again, to fashion or shape one thing like another, but be transformed. Now, it's interesting, this Greek word from uh, Vine's Expository Dictionary says this, the obligation being to undergo a complete change, which, under the power of God, will find expression both in your character and in your conduct. So God will change us from the inside out. And he'll cause us to be the people that he wants us to be as we allow his word to do its work. One translation, the New Living says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You know, somebody, they'll come along and they got some idea about this, that, and the other, and you, you can just say, well, I don't believe that. I don't think like that. You know, they may have a real negative slant on something, you know, but thank God you don't have to be negative. Did you know you don't have to be negative if you don't want to? You can be positive because of what it is that God's promise. So again, it says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good. Aren't you glad God's will for you is good and pleasing? And it says perfect. Hallelujah. I like that. So there's a plan that God has for us, and it's a good one. So I could say or make this statement this evening to begin with by simply uh, saying this, that we can change our lives by changing the way we think. It's just that simple. You can change your life by changing the way that you think. Now, the scripture says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Okay, another translation says it this way, as a man thinks in his heart, so does he become. And so whether we like it, I'm just so glad for the Bible. I'm so glad for the word because all of a sudden, you know, I began to realize that the things that I had been thinking were not true. You know, that God does love me. You know, I didn't think God loved me until I got saved. And then I knew he loved me. Hallelujah. 
And what a difference that made because I wasn't running from God, I was running to him because I wanted to learn his plan and purpose. So the mind is the leader or the forerunner of all of our actions. You do what you do because of the way you think, okay? Some of you got your routines, you know, and you get up, you know, and you this and that and the other, and you have a reason why, all right? And I'm not saying that that's right or wrong, but I'm just telling you again that the mind is the leader or forerunner of all action. And our actions are a direct result of the way we think, our thoughts. So we can either, you know, if we have negative thoughts, we're going to have a negative life. You know, have any of you ever been around Eeyore lately? Sure, you bump into people like that all the time. And they don't have a positive report about nothing. They can find fault or something wrong in just about everything, you know. And you're going, well, you know, praise the Lord. But on the other hand, if you have, you know, uh, positive uh, thoughts, you're going to have a positive life, okay? I was thinking about Zig Ziglar. Uh, many of you probably don't know him. He's, he's passed many years ago, but he was basically a motivational, positive thinking kind of speaker kind of guy. And this guy lived, I don't know, he lived a long time, but I mean, he always had a good report. You know, the believer, the child of God ought to have a good report all the time. You say, yeah, but you know, my life is this, my life is that. Well, why accentuate that when we can accentuate Jesus and what he's done and what he's doing and what he can do? Hallelujah. Can't we rejoice in that? You say, well, you know, that seems to me like you're just, you know, not really facing reality. I'm not saying that things going on in the world aren't true and they don't exist, but thank God, God is bigger than any problem that you and I will ever have. So if we're going to live our lives, we might as well do it right. And we might as well do it his way, do it positively. You say, yeah, but I got this problem. And, you know, if, if this person would just turn around, change, and do something different, then all my problems would go away. No, they wouldn't. Something else will come along, I promise. You know, you just got to make your decisions about how you're going to view life, how you're going to think about things. I think about Jesus all the time and all of the resistance, all of the pushback, all of the um, really visceral hatred that this guy faced as a man for three and a half years. You know, no, nobody bothered him until the Spirit of God came on him and he became anointed by the Holy Ghost. Everybody left him alone for about 30 years. And then when his ministry started, all hell, quite literally, broke loose. So he had to deal with these things. Are you listening to me? And yet in the midst of that, he was able to successfully do just that. So the fact is, is that our mind is the battleground. That's where we do our battles. Amen? So if some of you haven't been sleeping tonight, you're probably going to get your best night's sleep tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. But people think the way they do because of how or what they are being influenced by, okay? And that can be, you know, information that we receive. It can be upbringing. It can be environment associations. It can be fleshly desires. You know, your body's got a lot of things it likes to talk about. And not only that, but, <clears throat> you know, on the other hand, the positive side of it, we have the Bible. It is the primary source uh, or at least should be uh, in our lives, an influence is the Word of God. Amen? And we got the Spirit of God. Amen? I tell you what, thank God for the Holy Ghost. You can be down in the mouth, start praying in other tongues and worshiping God and get happy in a heartbeat. Come on now. Maybe it takes more than one heartbeat, but go with me on this. Amen? Why? Because He's in us. Hallelujah. 
And you know, praise God, Jesus made this statement, these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In a world, there's gonna be tribulation, but listen, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Isn't that good news? So thank God no matter what it is, it's going on. But again, you know, thinking about this, you know, and realizing what it is that the Bible has to say is we, we do what we do. <laughs> well, let's say it this way. People think the way that they do uh, because of how or what it is that they're influenced by. I'd like for you to turn with me to uh, Proverbs chapter uh, four. Proverbs chapter four. Let's look at a verse of scripture here that I think uh, fits right in here. Um, Notice this scripture with me. <clears throat> now Solomon, when he penned the book of Proverbs, uh, if you read in the Old Testament, you discover that he was one of the wisest, well, he was actually the wisest man that ever lived, okay? He had gotten his wisdom from God. When he was uh, chosen to be uh, king, you know, he, you know, it was like God said, what do you want? And, you know, a lot of times people say, well, I want power, I want control, I want influence, I want this. He goes, I need your wisdom, God. And God gave this guy wisdom like no other. Well, so we, he, here he is. He's penned this uh, for you and I to be able to, to read and to uh, uh, receive from in the 20th verse of the fourth chapter. Notice uh, the first word in the King James. It says, my son, attend, 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 attend to my words. That means give careful consideration to what it is that I say. Amen. And sometimes we don't do that. And, and, and here, of course, you know, part of the reason being, you know, we live busy lives and we're doing this, we're doing that, and we got responsibilities and all of those things, they have their place. You can't get around that. But you know what? You got to carve time out in your life to be able to be under the influence of his word. Amen. You know, they talk about people get DWIs, you know, they get picked up because they're drunk. Why? Because they've been under the influence and their blood alcohol has risen to a certain place. Why? Because they kept drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking. So the alcohol content in their blood rises. Well, the same thing's true where the word is. If we're, if we're not being influenced by it, if we're not being exposed, that's why I'm, I'm glad you're here tonight. Because whether you realize it or not, we're just taking a drink from a heavenly well. Amen? So he says, attend to my word or words incline your ear into my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Why? Because they are life to those that find them, and they are health to all their flesh. I want you to notice the next verse particularly. It says, keep your heart. I think for believers, this is an important scripture. Keep or guard, some of your translations will say guard, your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Another translation says that out of it are the forces, the boundaries, the borders, the wellspring of life. And another translation, New New Living Translation says, because it affects everything you do. Guard it, guard it. You know, hell is waging a war, no question about it. And for some, it's, it's a pretty simple battle that they've got going on because of 
you know, deceptions and the deceitfulness of sin and just the blindness of people's heart, things of that nature. But you're not there. You're a child of the living God, born of his spirit. So you have to guard your heart with all diligence. Does anybody's Bible translation say something besides guard? Anybody here? Maybe you don't have one, okay? But it says to guard your heart. And I think about that. Ask yourself the question, well, how do I do that? Well, for one thing, you know, we don't put ourselves in environments. See, there's some things you can't do anything about. We're in this world, but we're not of it. So there's going to be things, you know, that you get exposed to, whether you want to be or not. It's like Lot, you know, when he, uh, <clears throat> when he and Abraham had the discussion about who was going to go where, and he chose the valley down, you know, in Sodom and Gomorrah, and he chose that. The Bible says that he daily vexed his soul by the unrighteous behavior of the people that lived in those cities. Well, we see that now, don't it, it, Doesn't it cause a vexation? you know, in your life to see, you know, so abhorrible. You got this guy dressed up like a woman, you know, and he's in a library with a bunch of little kids. And I asked myself the question, what on God's green earth are these parents thinking? You with me? You know, it's, it's vexing to see that kind of thing because I know and you know that that child, you talk about being dysfunctional. You talk about not, not knowing which end is up. It is going to be an absolute nightmare for them. And then, only by the grace of God that they run into Jesus and get saved, then he can fix them. But you know, sometimes that can be a hard fix when these types of things. So that's why I say you have to guard. And, and again, so my point to that was to say, some things we can't get away from or get around, other things we can. The Bible says to avoid all appearance of evil. So if you can stay out of it, stay out of it, okay? If you don't have to listen to it, don't listen to it. You know, you can, you, can, you can put up your boundaries, your barriers, or whatever you want, however you want to define it, but it's important that you do. It's just that much less that you have to deal with. Are you with me? You still glad you came? Yes. All right, it's only 6.36, or 7.36. You're going to be all right. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> but it's important. Guard your heart. Now, another uh, aspect or, or facet of guarding your heart is to have the Word of God dwelling in you richly so that when things do come, you have something to answer it with. And guess what, you guys? You've got to answer sometimes. You know, the Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So sometimes you've got to say, nope, that's not what we're doing. Nope, that's not what we believe. Nope, that's not what I'm, you know, involved in or whatever the case might be. You've got to be bold. You know, passivity as a Christian, I think, is a bit of a fallacy. You know, it somehow or another gets mixed in there or laced into, you know, we're supposed to be loving. Well, let's define what love is, you know. You, you, you with me? And, and I don't think that uh, uh, being passive when you're dealing with the devil is, is, I don't think the two mix. Are you with me? But a lot of folk, they don't have that idea. And that's why they need to have their minds renewed to the word. So having said all of that, now again, let's go back. It says not to be conformed to this world, but transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. The question being, what do we renew our mind to? The word of God or the will of God. Huh? In other words, I want to think the way he thinks. Okay? I don't want religion. I don't want, you know, some great idea that somebody came up with. I just, I, I want the word, praise God, and what it is that he has said. So the plumb line, 
you know, for all reasonable and accurate thinking is the Bible. It's the Word. Hallelujah. It'll teach you how to live. It'll teach you how to parent. It'll teach you how to be married. It'll teach you all these things. It'll teach you if you'll look into it. And thank God for all the good books and CDs or, you know, MP3s or whatever it is that you use these days, you know. I mean, there's all kinds of resource that we can ingest or be influenced by that'll bring a positive result where our lives are concerned, right? And so it becomes incumbent upon us to do that. You know, when Peter was writing, he told us, he said, You're being, you've been born again, not of a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible seed by the word of God that lives and abides forever. So the new birth is a result of this incorruptible seed. And that's why God, you know, wants to get the seed planted on the inside of you because it's incorruptible, it's true, it's infallible, it works. And as we ingest it, then praise God, it, it gives form and shape to the way we think and how we live. It impacts our character, it impacts our conduct, and all of a sudden we're doing things differently. I live a whole lot different than I when I was a teenager, and it's because of the Word. And most of you would be very glad, hallelujah, you know. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's the Word of God that provides us with a true guidance in how we should think about ourselves, about God, about one another. You know, the Bible tells us how we're to think about one another. You say, well, you know, I got some thoughts and they ain't so good. Well, change them. Yeah, but they're kind of ornery and I don't really like them. Change them. Huh? Thanks for your enthusiasm. Amen. You know, Jesus said, I've given you one commandment a new one, that you love one another as I loved you. That can be difficult, no question about it. Some folk are a whole lot easier to love than others, but we're still commanded to do it. Are you listening to me? So we don't need to, you know, start talking ugly and, you know, this and that and the other about folk. You know, and that's true. I, you know, it doesn't make any difference. I mean, the world, they do it, but we can expect that out of them, but we're believers, we're children of God. Can you say amen? So in the church, huh? Come on now, in the church, we need to put a zip on our lip. Huh? It's kind of like Forrest Gump. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> you know, which is probably nothing, you know. Because folks are going to do what they do. We're not perfect. You know, after all, I mean, you know, we're fallible and um, flawed, whatever you want to call it. But we don't have to accentuate that. We don't have to target that, talk about it, lift it up, you know, you know, all of that. Are you listening to me? Huh? Yeah. Remember they was talking about one guy, and he was just a real ornery guy. But there was another uh, believer, an older gentleman, you know, and, and this guy never had a bad word to say about anybody. And if you wanted to find someone that you could have a bad word for, it would have been this guy. And he died. And so everybody was questioning about whether or not he made heaven, this and that and the other. And somebody, you know, they started talking about how rough it was, you know, to be around him and this and that and the other. And this guy had never had a bad word about anybody. He says, you know, but I'll tell you one thing about it. He had pretty eyes. <laughs> well, I don't know, you know, what that does. But at least, praise God, he had a good report. Faith always has a good report. Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true and honest and lovely, you know, think on these things. And that'll help you a long ways down the road. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. So, again, 
It's from the scriptures that we learn the will of God for our lives. Hallelujah. And I mentioned this to you before. I mean, if you grew up in a mainline church or something like that, people say, well, you can't always know the will of God. Well, that's foolish, especially based on what the scriptures have said. It says, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So God couldn't obligate you to know his will if he didn't make it known to you. Are you with me? And when we read in our text, it says, so that you can prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So everybody say it together, I can know the will of God. Yeah, you can know the will of God. It's right here. And we can find it. We got to do a little digging once in a while, but thank God we can come to know the word. Amen? You know, so <clears throat> it's the scriptures or from them that we learn the will of God for our lives. I love the scripture. I use it all the time. You know, I prayed, as a matter of fact, you know, even this evening. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope, give you a future. In other words, God is on my side. You know, the psalmist of old in Psalm 118, verse 6 said, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? See, if God be for you, who can be against you? But see, the devil does everything he can to divide and conquer, to drive a wedge in between you and your heavenly Father, to keep you somehow from thinking or knowing the truth where your relationship with him is concerned. Everybody say it, God's on my side. Yeah, he's on your side, whether you believe it or not, whether you think it or not, whether you, you know, whatever. He is on your side. He is for you. And again, if God be for you, thank God who can be against you. Here's another thing. James made this statement. He said this in, in James chapter 1 and 16. He says, do not... Air, beloved brethren, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of, his tur of turning. Of his own will, he gave birth to us so that we could be the first fruits of his creatures, so that we could be the children of God. Beloved, now are you the sons of God. You're not going to be, you are right now. Thank God I'm a child of God, and so are you if you're born of the Spirit. Amen. But again, the devil does everything he can to try to push you away from this relationship that you have with God. That's why when we get in the Word, get in the book, let the book get in us, it fortifies, it helps, it teaches us, it tells us the truth about, again, in this situation, our relationship with God. Another scripture um, is... And I mean, you know, when I was a kid growing up, going to catechism, they taught us John three sixteen, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever. But you know, I never really, the, 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 the real truth of that scripture never really registered. I memorized it. You know, you can do all kind of memorizing. But think, listen to it again. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. So now we see the expression of God's love toward the sinner and the saint for that matter. But he so loved us that he gave that so that we what? Wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. Now that's the one that they, you know, had us memorize. But 17's good. 
okay? Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. The devil uses condemnation every day in Christians' lives. But God didn't send his son into the world to condemn it, but rather through him, <clears throat> they might be saved. So everybody say it again, God's on my side. Yeah, he's on your side, he's for you. And any thought or intimation of something otherwise is a lie from hell. So that's why you have to get your, your mind renewed because the devil, he'll take you down that path, baby. He'll start the guilt, the condemnation, you know, you don't deserve and you're such a loser and all of these different kinds. All of that is from hell. Not one word of it is from heaven because God doesn't condemn. Who is he that condemns? It's God that justified. You know, and that's where we come, you know, in that context of reasoning, the Apostle Paul said, listen, you know, <clears throat> if God be for you, who can be against you? Huh? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So when we preach victory, when we say, hey, listen, not only is God on your side, but Jesus went to a cross, went into a, uh, a grave and came out of it so that you can enjoy life and life more abundant and you can have victory, you can have peace, you can have joy, you can be glad, glory to God, you can live your life with the happiness of heaven. Are you listening to me? But again, you know, the devil, no, no, that's not for you. That's for brother and sister, whoever. I mean, I don't know why they got it, but you don't get it. Well, that's a lie. Are you listening to me? You say, well, how come I don't feel that way? Well, maybe you just need to back up, praise God, and start praising God and thinking about what the scriptures have to say instead of what it is he's been telling you. Nobody cares about you. Nobody loves you. Nobody pays any attention to you. I mean, the list is long. Well, it's in those moments that you have to realize who it is that's talking to you. And then you have to say, ah, wait, whoa. You know, since you're here, let's just stop here for a moment. Let's just begin to praise God. Hallelujah. I'm so glad, Father, that you're my Father, that you've taken every sickness, disease, and infirmity from my midst, and greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I will guarantee you that if you'll do that for a while, things will change. Amen. Amen. And then if you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you can pray in other tongues, build yourself up. Out of your innermost being will come rivers of living water, the joy of God. Hallelujah. And you can get happy in a hurry. Yes. Are you listening to me? Wow. What a wonderful thing. So anyway, he said, if God be for us, who can be against us? He's for you. Huh? I know the plans I have for you. They're, to, they're not for you to live with your nose to the grindstone. They're not for you to go through life without. They're not uh, for you to have lack and deficiency. They're not for you not to have health and well-being and wholeness or soundness in your body. It is not for you to have uh, <clears throat> depression, discouragement, despair, all of the other D words that we can come up with. It's not the will of God for you. But thank God he's given us everything that we need and we have his word to be able to do something about it. Can you say amen? Everybody say it together. I believe the word. Yeah, look at this verse of scripture in Ephesians chapter 6 with me, if you would, please. New Testament, Ephesians, the 6th chapter. Y'all glad you came tonight? I'm telling you what, I'm about to preach myself happy here. 
Hallelujah. Notice here in Ephesians chapter 6, um, <clears throat> well, let's start with verse 10 because it's also good. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Everybody say strong. Not weak. Everybody, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or schemes or tactics of the devil. Hmm. Suppose he's got some of them? He sure does. What are they? Lying, deceiving, you know, subtly convincing you of things that aren't true. So notice in verse 12, for we wrestle... Everybody say wrestle. Yeah, we wrestle, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in higher heavenly places. And then he tells us to take on the whole armor of God, which we don't have time to get into. The point that I want to make is that, uh, in this is when it comes to dealing with the devil, it has to be understood he's a liar, and a lot of times, you know, we look at things in the natural, and we don't, you know, we don't think past recognizing that there are spiritual forces that are influencing others, they're influencing or at least attempting to influence your thinking, and that's why you have to have the plumb line of God's Word, man, so that when the stuff comes, you go, nope, I don't believe that, I don't accept that, I resist that in Jesus' name. Are you listening to me? See, because then you can deal with it. Here's something Jesus said about the devil. He said, <laughs> he told these guys, he said, you are of your father, the devil. Wow. I'm sure that that probably win, won a lot of friends and influenced a lot of people. No. He said, you're of the fa your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. Now, he goes on to describe Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning. Remember Cain and Abel? Okay. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Now listen, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own for or because he is a liar and the father of it. How often has he told you you're no good? You don't measure up. You're deficient in this. You know, you're such a loser. You know, I mean, <clears throat> the list is long. But every one of those things are a lie. Because the Bible says that you're the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean you're perfect. But I'm telling you what, you're a child of the living God, blood washed, blood bought. And I'll tell you what, he's working. Amen? In your life. So again, you can't allow condemnation. Well, you should be doing this. You should have been that. You should have this or that or the other. Well, you know, it should have, could have, would have, you know, all over the place. What's really important is what am I going to do now? Huh? How am I going to live now? And at the end of the day, it's about pleasing him. So Satan's plans are, they're very strategic, uh, deceitful, subtle, well laid out to carry out his destructive plan, to keep you out of the will of God, to keep the blessing from coming into your life. Huh? Yeah. And he'll lie to you any way that he can to keep you from it. But thank God you just got to press in. Can you say amen? 
Because here's the thing, you know, he knows your weaknesses, your insecurities. Uh, he knows your fears, and he, he attempts to use them against you. I remember one minister made the statement, it says, <clears throat> it's like if your life, you know, what he does is, uh, you know, he walks around your life, you know, and essentially what he's doing is he's walking around your character, and he's looking for a weak place. And as soon as he finds a weakness, he says, that, boys, this is where we're going in. And he starts pounding you with all kinds of lies and whatever the case might be to get you to conform to his way of thinking. And so it's important for us to understand these things. Again, we're in a battle. People say, well, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. You know that devil thing, you know, that kind of makes me nervous. Listen, dude, you need to get a grip because he's under our feet. But if you run like what you're just describing, then you're going to get yourself beat bloody every time. Are you listening to me? He's a defeated foe. Jesus spoiled principalities. and You have to put him in his place. Are you with me? We're talking about changing the way that we think. So we're not going to give the devil any place. Resist the devil and he will flee from. These are things you have to do. It's combative. It's, it's wrestling, not against flesh and blood. It's contending for the faith. What do you mean by that? Contending for what you believe, for contending the word of God. I believe the Bible. I'm going to rejoice in it. Hallelujah. And I'm going to have everything that heaven has for me. Are you, are you listening to me? You know, people want to relegate everything off into the next life. Well, you know, when we get to heaven, you know, I'll be there. How about right now? Huh? Let's find out what it is Jesus redeemed us from right now. Because, you know, he redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us so that the blessing of Abraham could come on us. You're not going to have to worry about the curse when you get to heaven. But right now, here we are. But he's redeemed us from it. Are you listening to me? So we can have peace in our home. We can have love in our home. We can have joy in our home. We can be blessed. We don't let the devil in. Huh? We don't allow strife to just come walking through. No, uh-uh. In Jesus' name, you are not welcome here. You with me? But yet people let stuff come in. You know, they play into the hand of the devil. You know, their feelings got hurt. And so now we're going to make you hurt, you know. And, and it's just hellish. But it doesn't have to be that way. Huh? Let's be smart enough to figure out what's going on, huh? Amen. He'll say, you can't, you don't deserve, you know. And, and, and usually when he says those things, he's been feeding you with guilt and condemnation. So now it's really real. No, you don't deserve it. You know, you're this, you're that, you worm, you know, or whatever. I mean, I don't know what he says. <clears throat> you know, uh, he'll, he sets you up. You know, if, if uh, um, he'll come along and say, I don't know. I'd be suspicious of that if I were you. And then all of a sudden your imagination goes 190 miles an hour the wrong direction. Years ago, at least 40, maybe more, we had a couple in our church and, and uh, um, <laughs> we had marriage problems back then. We have marriage problems today, you know. And anyway, um, this couple... Joan and I were young in ministry and things, and we're trying to help them. How many of you know we want to help people? I mean, we help you if you can, if we can. So we're talking to them, and, and um, they're having struggles in their marriage and things. And uh, this guy's convinced. We're talking about being suspicious, you know. 
he's convinced she's having an affair. You know, and how he arrived at that, God only knows. But the reality is, is that she wasn't. But nothing that we could say or she could say could convince him that it wasn't, that wasn't the way it was. And you say, well, how in the world did that happen? I would say, uh, you know, this is speculative, but probably the biggest problem was is his own insecurities. Huh? Devil was probably telling him all kinds of things, you know, you're not as good looking as you should be. She likes other people better than you. I mean, who knows where that goes, but it's all from hell. Did you hear me? So he just kept up. We could not get him off of this. And no matter what she did, you know, I mean, then she's, you know, having to deal with, you know, the accountability issue and having to, you know, docket everything she's doing everywhere she's been. Well, guess what? You know, that gets a little old. Because, all, because what it is is it's breeding distrust in a relationship that you ought to be able to trust them with all your heart, soul, and mind. And so it just kept, he just kept at it, kept at it, kept at it. We couldn't get him convinced that that, you know, this and that and the other. And what is the saddest and the most unfortunate thing is, is that because he just kept pounding away at her, she went out and had an affair. And then everything blows up. And that was the end of it. Are you with me? Stupid, isn't it? Well, you don't think about that when you're in the middle of it, but that's exactly what, because he wouldn't relent. And again, I think what, I, what little that we knew about it at that point, and as I thought about it more, you know, in the years past, is he's just insecure. And when you're insecure, if you don't know who you are, that's why, you know, we preach all the time, dude, you've got to learn who you are in Christ. You've got to have confidence in what it is he's made you. You know, so that you can walk within the integrity of your own heart and be the person that God wants you to be. You don't have to be afraid. Are you with me? You know, and so um, anyway, it's, it's a negative example, but it, it proves the point. He got set up and the devil just kept feeding him and feeding him and feeding him and feeding him until it became a reality. And so you just got to guard yourself in these areas because yeah, it's important. If you would, please turn with me to 2 Corinthians 10, and we'll probably have to stop here for tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Thank God we're not ignorant of his devices. That was a good place to say amen. Huh? We are not ignorant of his devices. Huh? Hallelujah. It, you know, it's, it's the strangest thing. I mean, people, when they're insecure about this, that, and the other, you know, they can watch their spouse, and maybe their spouse just absolutely, I mean, no intent whatsoever, and they, they happen to look at a person, and that person, because of their insecurities, they go, well, what are they looking at them for? Why are they looking like that? You know? I mean, we have people that have left our church, because they thought somebody, you know, they didn't shake their hand, they didn't smile, they gave them a look, God only knows. You know, some people's resting face is not that exciting, okay? But yet somebody will read that and say, well, they're not very friendly. You know, it's stupid. Well, how do we get to these places? And I'm not kidding you, people aren't in the church because of it. They're not in any church, for that matter, you know, because no church will do. Did you know some people can't be pastored? 
<laughs> they can't. I, you know, after 45 years, I've come to realize there are some folk that it isn't that they can't be, they don't want to be. Okay, that's maybe a better way of putting it. They just don't want to be pastored. You know, so, so, you know, when you're young, when we first got started, you know, you take that personally. You go, I got to get over this because it's bothering me. What have I done wrong? You know, maybe I didn't do this. Maybe I, I'm all over that. Okay. When they go down the road, I just figure, well, Lord, they just don't want to be pastored. You know, some folk, you just can't. I mean, they've been in church and church and church and church and church and church and church. And no matter where they go, by golly, they got something they don't like. Party's over, dude. Move on. Let's go find somebody like, you know, <clears throat> Jake and Cassie that, you know, love Jesus, want to grow and end up uniting their hearts together under the covenant that God made. Praise God. Isn't that cool? It's, it's a whole lot more worth spending time on that than the other one. Yes. <coughs> and now I'm done with my rant. <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter 10. Notice um, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, or they're not weapons of the flesh. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of, what's the next words? What are they? Strongholds. Strongholds. Casting down, King James uses the word imagination. Some of your Bibles will say reasonings. And every high thing that exalts itself against the what? Knowledge of God. Casting down imagine. Dude, if it don't line up with the word, don't accept it. Don't believe it. Don't take it. Huh? Because, and see, the thing, that's what I'm saying is, is in the example that I gave to you, a stronghold got established. He was just perfectly convinced that, you know, his wife was unfaithful, you know. And that stronghold drove all of his decisions. It drove his behavior. It, it drove his speech. It, it, it ruined, spoiled, soured the relationship. Are you with me? Now, nobody can do anything about that but you. That's why the Bible tells us that though we walk in the flesh, we're not worn after it. For the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to pull them things down. You'll never amount to anything. You'll never have anything. You'll, you know, never overcome this, you know, or whatever. You'll never have this kind of a relationship or whatever, whatever. I mean, strongholds get built up in our lives. And we need to cast down the imagination and the reasonings that what? Exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And you just say, no, 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 no. I, God said he knows the plans he has for me. They're to prosper, not to harm, to give me hope. And I got a future. Hallelujah. So you don't, you don't, you don't buy into it. Now, if it's been there a while, it takes a while sometimes to get it uprooted and get it out and remove it. Huh? Mind the right house? Sure enough. So here's the thing about the conversation here. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, as the scripture goes on to say, a stronghold is an area in which we are held in bondage or held in prison due to a certain way of thinking. 
If I only had, if they would just, if, 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 if. Well, the truth of the matter is is sometimes we've got to change the way that we think and say that my life is not dictated by what it is they've chosen or what it is that they want to do or don't want to do or whatever the case might be. I'm going to live my life full of joy. Amen? I'm going to fulfill my divine destiny. I'm going to do the purpose. I'm going to fulfill the purpose that God has in my life. Hallelujah. Amen. And come what may. If they want to come, you know, <laughs> great. You know, though none go with me, still I'm going to follow. You, you, you with me on this? So it, it, it's that kind of thinking. Um, and I could use some other examples if we had time here, but we're really out. So um, how do you change the imagery within your thought life? Well, Jesus made this important statement, and I'll give it to you. This is the way it's done. He told his disciples in John 8, 31 and 2, he said, if you, you, will continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you will come to know the truth, and that truth will make you free. That's the way it works. So, you know, if the devil's been lying to you in a negative kind of way, you can just take what it is that we've, you know, ingested here this evening and, and you can use it for your advantage. Amen. Everybody say it again together. God is for me, not against me. He's on my side. If God be for me, who can be against me? Why don't you stand with me, if you would, please. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, tonight we love you and we thank you again for the privilege we've had to break the bread of life to behold wonderful things from your word. And Father, as we have spoken of these things this evening, I thank you, Lord God, for sharpening us, to sharpen the iron. Father God, to make the edge sharp for each and every one of us so that we don't succumb, we don't buy into, we don't allow ourselves to be led by the lies of the devil. Father, I thank you for rejuvenating, restoring, bringing health and and life to our thinking, Father, that there is hope that we don't have to fear, that thank God you've given us victory over every circumstance and situation that we may face. And so, Father God, I thank you for the impenetrable uh, fortress of your living word that always abides forever and that we can stand on it as a foundation within our lives and know, praise God, that you will see us through in every situation. So we just commit this to our hearts. We ask you to help us, Father God, to appropriate it. And we thank you, Lord, for your blessing in every one of our lives here tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. You may be seated. We're going to receive our evening offering.